Hey, this is Nick Walters again with the Industrial Hemp Growers Digest podcast brought to you by the National Hemp Growers Cooperative. And I'm glad to once again, just flat out take a good bath to have yet again on the, on the uh, show today as part of our podcast, yet a, another really interesting guest who is a mover and shaker uh, in the industry of industrial hemp, as well as the CBD world. Uh, Drew Kitt. Drew, good morning and hello and welcome. Hello, Nick. Thanks for having me. I'm tickled pink to be here. <laughs> See, <laughs> you did for a Long Island boy living in North Carolina. You might, I don't know that you pick, pick it up for me, but you probably at least have heard it maybe once or twice. Besides oh, I've listened, I've listened to many a podcast, yours included. So, <laughs> pleasure true. to be here. Absolutely. So, Drew is, um, uh, in Asheville, North Carolina, where he has a CBD retail shop called Two Moons uh, CBD. And uh, full disclosure, I'm a customer and a, and a happy customer, a satisfied customer uh, you. of, of yours as well, too. But he also uh, does a lot of work with iHempX. So we wanted to talk about the industry, talk about kind of your pathway and things that you see and the things that you guys are doing. So. Drew, tell us a little bit, give a little background for us here. Give us a, give us some Drew story. Uh, and then include in that, if you will, your your hemp aha moment. Uh, you are a person whose hemp aha moment happened a lot earlier than a lot of us. And so we are looking forward to hearing your perspective. Well, thank you. Yeah. So like many or a, a few in the industry that had discovered hemp Oh, 30 years ago or so. It was for me, mid 90s. Um, I had been traveling around the country and I'm a big music fan and Grateful Dead. And you have some friends that had similar experience uh, learning yes. about Jack Herrera and the Emperor Wears No Clothes. And I was a, an, uh, a big fan of the plant. I grew up around it, um, but I wanted to learn more about it. I was also and still am, you know, very actively involved as an environmentalist and kind of could see the writing on the wall. I think in 1970, the year I was born, was that when they first started having Earth Day. Um, mm. It was also when they first uh, put cannabis on the controlled substance uh, list. So, I mean, there, there are two kind of in intersecting things that have influenced me th throughout my life and continue to. Um, so with hemp, it was really learning and understanding all that the plant has to offer. Um, I found it very inspiring and I jumped on board. I ended up at the Vermont Hemporium up in Burlington, Vermont from 96 to 99. Um, I'll show you, I know it's a podcast, but I still have my Get Hemp stickers that I helped design 30 years ago. And um, it was tough because the plant was illegal, obviously. So the extent to which you know we could develop an industry by importing material alone. I mean, a lot of people were involved early on. Um, in the you know late 90s, it really started to gain some traction, but it didn't go as far as we wanted to. And it took another 20 years, 25 years for the plant to actually become legal. So for me, I was involved and I wasn't involved for a long time. Um, I kind of got back on my radar in Kind of late, well, around 2017, I was working for a logistics company. Some friends of mine were out in Colorado. They were needing to transport some biomass to Oregon. 
and they reached out to me and asked if I knew of anyone who could ship hemp biomass. So it kind of put it back on the radar for me. I got very interested in it again. Um, ultimately, that opportunity led to being involved in seed distribution for cannabinoids. Mm -hmm. um, so that's with iHempX, where I'm still involved in doing work with them. Um, but January 2019, you know, they legalized hemp in December. And that next month, I opened up a CBD retail shop because that's what people were doing then. That was a quick and easy way to get into the industry. I had experience and knowledge with retail, having managed sure. Vermont Hemporium and thought that that would be a, a, a great way to be involved, working directly with people in my community, learning about consumer facing products, cannabinoid specific. Um, but also it gave me an office in which I could work with farmers um, and on the genetic side of things. So I'm horizontally integrated. I'm kind of doing different things in the industry, but there's uh, the plant just has so much to offer that you kind of have to be uh, diverse in, in what, what you're involved with because it changes so quickly, or at least it had to. Things have felt like they've slowed down a bit, but maybe that's a good thing. It's given me pause, at least currently, to kind of take a step back and really look at the, the whole industry because there are so many facets to it. Thank you. Well, you know, and, and so when you opened up that first uh, retail spot, that is the current one in Asheville at, at Two Moons that you opened up, right? So when yep. you opened up in 2019, that's where you, that's where you launched it and where you've been, right? Yep, that's correct. And yeah, there was on a, actually locally here in Asheville. It was some friends that had a, a, another location that they opened up and I saw what they were doing and I said, hey, I want one of those. So they kind of I had a benchmark to an extent. I had an idea kind of what we were going to focus on, which was more health and wellness oriented. Um, we do a lot of education. So when people come in, it's really a one-on-one -on -one kind of consult. You went through it a bit with me where I really try to understand why are you here? What have you heard? What are you interested in? And then right. I talk through the different product categories, different types of product, different dosages, frequencies that one could take them. And, you know, of course, full disclosure, the FDA, we can't make any claims, but it's really just an understanding of what a person is wanting to try, why, and what product may be best for them. And if it works, great, they come back. And I have a lot of repeat business over these last four years of where it really, truly helps people. And it's wonderful to see. And it's really feels like more of a service than anything else that I offer to the, the local community here. Um, but it's one of the things that I do. Heck yeah. And so it's, a, it's, a, um, uh, I can testify to that, right? I mean, just, just the fact that you say, well, tell us what you're trying to accomplish, right? And try to, you know, what is it you're wanting to do? So for me, it's lower back pain. And, and how would I get that? I, I mean, I lather up every day. I mean, it's just an ongoing, and it just made a huge difference. But if I had to go hunt and pack and try and this and that, and I had to just, look online and try to figure out what was going to be the right spot. I don't know if I'd have, I don't know what I'd have done because I probably yeah, it, lazy and would have gotten this and that out. I'm not sure. And I don't know what crud these people have put in it and what they've not put in it. And, you know, just so, so um, having somebody like you that can say, here's some things that I think you ought to try really, really that make a difference. So that's, and, so if yeah, you want to know about that, let's make sure we plug that. Right. So what's the website for that? So everybody can Two Moons CBD, T-W-O, Moons, plural, CBD. 
And yeah, the majority of what I have really is in the shop. I do. I have an online presence, but again, I prefer to talk to the people that um, I, the products that I'm providing to. So I'm kind of unique and different that way. Retail was never the thing that I wanted to do. It was a thing to do. Um, and I continue to do it, but I don't just sell products. I really try to, like I said, intentional pairing. I mean, I went through a whole Ganjie certification program, which is a really great program that's out there. You could check it out, ganjie.com. But I mean, it's the, the high level, full deep dive into the cannabis plant. And although everything here in North Carolina is all hemp derived, um, it came down to the wire um, last month, yeah, but right, we, right. we succeeded in continuing to offer hemp-derived products that matches the federal definition of less than 0.3% Delta 9 THC by dry weight. But within that definition, there's a lot of products that people can try that offers all sorts of different um, effects. And to be able to explain that to a consumer to get a sense of, again, what they're looking for and so that they don't have any uh, false expectations, I think is important because there's not enough education out there and people are just trying to have to learn trial and error. And that's not necessarily always the best way to go about doing things or they're trying something that they don't even realize and they don't have the experience that they wish that they would. So I think uh, having someone to explain all that's really important. Um, yeah. And that really carries over to the industrial side, too. I mean, you know, this is just cannabinoids, but there's we're all learning a lot about a lot of different things as far as what this plant has to offer and ways in which going about getting it to end consumers. Absolutely. Well, that's a great segue for you to tell us more about how I have X. So tell us what all I have X does and the things of the, the space and the footprint that y'all got uh, that you were operating in. Yep. So they're based in Colorado since 2016. Um, they've been developing this hemp, supply chain initially like many um, on the cannabinoid side earlier on they realized that genetics are key and being able to get quality genetics to farmers um, was extremely important because back then you know saturated space and failures were occurring um, in field and that's something that the industry really is still recovering from including overproduction um, but understanding how plants perform in field in different areas of the country, you're going to you can have the same genetic grown in two different areas of the country and they're going to perform differently. And it's not the genetics fault. It just has to do with a number of different variables. And, you know, I'm not a farmer, but I've been around and seeing um, a lot of different trials uh, around the country, most recently on the industrial side, particularly around fiber some green as well and i know you're involved in that and you're learning firsthand and seeing firsthand the value importance of understanding how these different varieties perform so that's one of the things we're focused on is the genetics we've imported containers load loads of seed that we're distributing have distributed around the country we have some projects ourselves that we're involved with now with plants and fields, seeing how these different genetics perform in different areas. But really the next step, of course, don't grow it unless you have a buyer. So we work across the supply chain, identifying manufacturers that are interested in implementing hemp into their process and really trying to help 
identify and understand those different specifications of that process material. We're also fortunate enough to be involved directly in some processing technology that's very unique and interesting that uses frequency shearing forces. It's just a different decortication um, technology that's unlike a lot of the others that are more mechanized that are on the market. And, you know, seeing how this plant has been under prohibition for 80 years. So now it's back and there's a lot of innovation occurring. There's also a lot of collaboration occurring. Um, we're very much at the forefront on both of those and understanding um, these different processing technologies and how this plant material, um, what happens to it and what applications it could go into. And again, also knowing where these processing centers are in order to provide genetics that will perform best for farmers within that region. And this is the puzzle that we're kind of putting together within that supply chain. So what's the offtake? What are they looking for? What's the processing tech? What does it produce? And then what genetics work best for that application? And it's going to take time. Sure, sure. Well, you know, that's that's what we do at the co-op every day, right? I mean, it's that same type of thing. And that's being able to work with good groups like yours to help us all try to figure that out. I mean, you know, we tell folks every day, <laughs> um, you know, you can come join in with us as we're all trying to build the parachute as we've jumped out of the plane. Or we're trying to, to try to figure it out or you can go figure it out on your own. You know, it's America, but I think we're all going to do a lot better whenever we are all, you know, at least pulling in the same direction uh, of trying to figure these things out and being realistic about it, right? I think that's been part of the big problem. And, and certainly, as, as, as you have seen, uh, being very involved in the beginning and, and uh, with the CBD industry uh, as a component anyway, um, anybody that starts out with the whole come get rich quick, it's all about to happen. There's gold in Minbar Hills, bring your pick and shovel and come on. That just ain't, you know, uh, not only is it a disservice, but uh, and 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 an unethical, immoral way to act towards people. I think, particularly growers and farmers, and even setting that out there. The, the reality of it is, it's not the truth. We don't know all of these things, and and it's not just because well they've been doing it in Europe for X number of years or Canada and Y number of years. That's terrific and great and fine. It still has got to fit within that whole part of that supply chain, right? So, so yep. you're saying it's 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 but getting out of that that was a statement for the question. So getting out of that um chicken and egg thing, do you think that really is there any one piece that's more important in a in a in a chronological way that needs to start first? Is it really starts with the off edge where folks say this is really what we want to grow for? Uh and then working your way back from there for the processing and then back to the genetics. Or is it maybe the other way to say, hey, look, these genetics are going to be able to do very well in this temperate zone and this spot. And therefore, those genetics, based off of the processing that can be tweaked for that, these are the markets that are probably going to do well because of those genetics for that output of what happens from there. So is it an either or, or is it a both and? I mean, is it, is it some. Yeah, I think it's a both end and a, and a meeting in the middle. I mean, what, looking at cannabinoids, it was there was an overproduction and a glut, and it, it kind of it hurt the industry because too much was produced, more than demand existed. Um, what's happening with industrial? It's it's slower, 
keeping in mind, of course, there's COVID we've been up against. There's this uh, recession or at least the economic challenges that the country's facing, the war in Europe. I mean, the supply chain. It's hard enough starting a, a new industry, let alone being up against all of these different challenges. So it slowed down the progress, but I think that's yeah. a good thing. In in we need processing, so we can't overproduce in field. We have to have processing to be able to convert that material into the yeah. value added input material. Um, on the offtake side, the scale isn't there yet for a lot of these different offtakes and the plants producing different type material, whether it be the inner woody herd, the core of the plant, which has, you know, applications for it, including micronized applications, which is what the tech we're involved with does very well. But there's also the bass fiber piece. So when you're processing the plant, you're at least ending up with two different offtake, um, potentially more. So really understanding what that focus is, but we can't meet this the, the demand out of the gate. It's going to be working in parallel. So getting processors right. up and running and then growing relative to that processor's need. So if it's 2,000 acres is required to keeping that processor run, running one shift for a year, then we need to grow enough for that processor. And I think over time, as more processors come online, there'll be more farmers that will get paid because that's needs to happen and get paid fair relative to what else would they be growing um, on that acreage. So it's, it's a combination of the two. There's no one easy answer. And there's so many changes. I mean, every day I'm online, you know, we're all kind of checking and seeing what's, what's happening and I'm learning every day and it's wonderful and it's exciting. Um, I want it to happen like now, but it's not going to all happen right now. We just need to keep getting base hits, you know, get singles, just keep moving forward one foot in front of the other, learning from each other, figuring out different ways to um, get some success. And it's going to keep changing and keep evolving. Well, if we just don't go bass backwards, I mean, that's part of it right there, right? As long as we just don't go backwards, that's enough to be able to get started. So, you know, and don't don't name names because I don't want you to uh, uh, get anybody in trouble. But but um, I wonder how many people um, who are the end users really really know down the lick log what their um, what their spec is. I mean, I wonder how many of them really know. Well, I think I kind of know what I want to do with it, and I think it kind of maybe fits like this because I'm using some other material that's close to that, and they get a product and they get something that's processed in their hand, and they go, eh, that isn't exactly what I need, or that doesn't fit my machine, or I needed to go back and have a different feel or a different tensile strength to it or whatever, you know? Yeah. Just, um, I wonder there's, how there's... much that is part of the issue, too. Yeah, I mean, it is an issue currently. The standardization is not in place. There's not enough... Um, material being processed consistently the same way at scale. You can look at a processor and maybe they've dialed in what they're producing and being able to narrow down the offering to their their clients within a range um, that, that meets their, that need. Um, but that isn't the case across the board, meaning yeah. any big offtake is not gonna be able to f find a consistent supply of what they need 
currently. So as an industry, we need to identify and help figure out those specs or that range relative to those different applications, whether that be for building materials or biocomposites for, you know, micronized, short fiber, long fiber, what are those standards and what are those specs? And that's a lot of what's happening with R&D. As much as there's R&D with genetics and how they perform in field, there's also post-process material that's going through R&D for different applications to identify what works and what doesn't. Um, and then once someone knows, hey, this is where we need to be, or at least within the range, um, then that helps those processors to hit that that target um, and then figuring out how to scale. And that scaling may be, you know, coupling up like you know, aggregated if there's one processor and they have an offtake for a certain amount of their material, but then they have a bunch of other material that they don't have a customer for, another processor may have a customer. And I think there's a lot of people working together and will continue to just for the success of the industry, the co-opetition perspective of we're all in this together. You know, there's a bigger right. fight to fight beyond just trying to compete with each other. It's too soon in the industry to do that. I agree. And that's just where good old, good old maturity of understanding where we all got to get there. Um, uh, it, it helps all of us. It's really kind of, yep. it's, it's a little cheesy, but it's true. That whole and tide lifts all boats is, is really true for this part of the kind of the industry, I think. Um, and, um, I, 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 that's what I'm hearing you say, particularly since that's where you have, have come from. So using your your um, uh, crystal ball and using your background, and because you are squarely in both the genetics industrial processing part and you got a foot in the cbd space as well um where do you kind of see the future potential for the industry on just as a whole using both of those component pieces there do you think it's um uh, the future is better long term on the industrial grain and fiber side or do you think the future is better on the cbd side or is it kind of One's got to catch up for the other. We all know about the glut of the of the amount of product in the CBD space, but just because that's where it is right now, I don't think that's where it's going to stay. I mean, it just is where it's going to be for a, for a period of time. So, what's your what's your thoughts about the kind of the way that's looking? Because you've got a great perspective about from both of those. Yeah, I mean, I think the future is bright for both. Um, they're entirely different. So cannabinoids is something unto itself that is faced with its own set of challenges. Um, but there are, um, it's far more established, although the biomass that was produced at scale um, was more than what was needed. It is a perishable. And at some point, it's going to go away and we're going to need more CBD being grown. Um, I mean, we're still providing those genetics and there is a need for those. The extent to which it's done at scale or more regionally or a combination of the two, I mean, I think it's just going to be similar to do you like Budweiser or do you like a local microbrew? Um, yeah. So for cannabinoids, it's, it's a kind of unique and different market. Um, I think, you know, my interest is more at the scale um, to be grown for industrial, because I think that's going to have a bigger impact. My MBA was, you know, with a concentration sustainability, 
in 2013. Um, I was in Chicago and was trained by Al Gore for the Climate Reality Project. So I'm very much um, interested and involved in this global climate crisis, or at least global climate change, which, I mean, you're seeing what's happening around the country. I was in Spain a couple of weeks ago. I walked 72 miles in six days with my family, which was an accomplishment for me, but in 100 degree weather, it was tough. And, you know, at the end of the day, it was putting one foot in front of the other. Um, I want to be more involved with helping to identify solutions for global climate change. It's real. Um, It is happening. We're going to have to adapt. And how can this plant benefit that. So what I mean by certainly the carbon drawdown, which people are looking at carbon sequestration, pulling it out of the atmosphere, putting it in the soil, sequestering it in different products, Um, but also what can the plant offset as far as what's being produced um, out in the world that this plant can be used as an input material to reduce that. And plastics I see as being a huge issue um, with the amount of plastics that's just overtaking us, those hydrocarbons, we can use hemp and and the cellulose material that it has. That's where really I'm focused. I have so much to learn and understand, but based on the processing tech that we're involved with and its capability to micronize and knowing that micronized hemp can be used for biocomposites, Um, as an input material. That's really what I'm personally focused on because I think that's going to have the biggest impact long term. But again, it's going to take time, but I still have some time, so I'm going to keep going. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, great. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) It's more so to help my kids, you know, as a dad of a 13 and a 15 year old, you know, I'm kind of want to do what I can to help them um, because they're going to have to figure out a lot of these solutions and, you know, I I have this as a second chance for me. I was involved with this 30 years ago and I saw it and it just didn't go far enough, fast enough. And now I'm back at it and I'm I'm still pushing. I'm, I'm confident. I'm optimistic. I'm motivated and I'm excited to work with people like you to help come up with these solutions. And I think we have a real opportunity, but the time is now and we just got to keep going, keep pushing. There we go. Terrific, man. But, uh, um, it should be glaringly obvious to anybody who is uh, listening to this podcast why I asked her to come uh, spend some time with us because he's got a great perspective and uh, not only the past, but the future as well. And uh, uh, we really kind of, you know, stand on the shoulders of folks like you, Drew, that have been around it. And, and uh, uh, thank you for what you've done thus far. Uh, and thanks for what I know you're going to be doing. And, and, and thank you. You know, go fast, go alone, go far, go together. So let's do this together. Let's let's there keep working go. together. Well, if folks want to connect with you, what's the best way to do that? If they want to learn more about Drew and more about IFX, or we've already talked about Two Moon CBD um, uh, website for your for your um, retail space for for what you're able to do for CBD. So what's what's the best way for them to get a hold of you? Drew at ihempx.com. Shoot me an email. Love to learn about what you're up to and how we could potentially collaborate and work together. Absolutely. Thanks so much. And if you'd like to know more about the National Hemp Growers Cooperative, you can learn more about why it is that we are focused on building wealth for our members through regenerative agriculture and sustainable development. 
you can go back and check us out at nationalhealthcoop.us uh, and learn all of the good things that we got going on. Drew Kent, thanks for your time today. Thank you, Nick. This podcast produced and distributed by MWB Studios.